We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out BlueWirePods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. Nice to be back for another week in quarantine. Uh, Today, we are recording bright and early in the morning because we had to watch a weekend full of wrestling. So that's why we have our WrestleMania recap to start off of the week. And instead of a claw, I have a bubbly, sparkling water today. You know, trying to be responsible early in the morning, Dre. So I'll crack that open for our show. Um, Shout out to everyone who watched WrestleMania this weekend. And to the Reverse Rat Pack, because we had our little group. uh, What was that? I forgot what app we used. House Party app. To kind of watch it all together. And that was dope. Ended up on like a Twitter page. With someone like, look at people are having home watch parties. So yeah, that that was fun. Um, Dre, now that the weekend is behind us, did this you know lift your spirits a little bit from having our trip canceled to Tampa for an actual WrestleMania weekend? No. Um, yeah. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Come on, man. Like it's to, to quote my man Big Mac. This was an A plus weekend. It was not. It was not an A-plus weekend. This was, uh, this was a consolation prize for something that we had looked forward to for, like, the past year. 
And there's nothing that's going to beat us doing wrestling with stereotypes, going to the indie shows, um, and doing everything we were going to do, the hood rat things with our friends in Tampa. So, no, no, this was decent for what it was. Like, I mean, we, we just had to deal with it. We, it was, uh, we were able to deal with it because we had the house party app and we all watched, um, joked about it. I drank a lot, forgot to eat. Um, and, you know, we had our little opinions, but come on, man. There's there's no way. There's no way this compares to what it would have been like in Tampa. No. And then we see maybe we got some good things out of it, which we'll talk about, which is like pre-produced segments, which maybe they would have tried to shoehorn into actual matches. That would have been horrible. But then a lot of stuff lost its luster because there were no crowds, right? There was no pops to really get some of the moments over and they just didn't hit well in an empty arena so we'll go through all of the matches now and just kind of go down uh night one and night two and just to start this off which night did you like better night one or night two i think this night is one. a given <laughs> okay. night, two was, night two was a travesty I, I saw someone say they like night two better and I almost, I almost blocked them and i don't block anyone on twitter uh, like like night one, which we'll go through, started off relatively slow, but it picked up towards the end. Like the last series of matches, with the exception of Goldberg and Strowman, were actually entertaining. Night two, yeah. nah, not the same, not the same. How a card is supposed to do, start off and climb. But somehow night two didn't get the memo. So we have Cesaro versus Drew Gulak on the pre-show. It was a five-minute match. But entertaining for five minutes. I've, yeah. I hadn't seen Cesaro do like the UFO spin since his ROH days. I don't know if he's ever done it in the WWE. So that was cool to see him and Drew like go at that. Um, it just sucks that during the match later on in the night, it kind of was unmentioned that these two guys had just wrestled earlier in the night. Well, for me, you know what's crazy is that you have an hour pre-show of Corey and Peter talking. This match could have gotten an extra five minutes. Could have oh, easy. Ten minutes. Like I, I don't know, man. I mean, there's a lot of people that didn't work this show, and the fact that Cesaro and Drew Gulak were on it, that's cool. But it felt like with this and another match on on night one, they needed more time because yeah. these were matches that were clearly getting ready to hit another gear in terms of the wrestling, in terms of the storytelling, and they just kind of cut off at the knees. And yeah, Cesaro and Gulak could have tore the house down, but you know, at least they were there. I guess it's the consolation. That's that's the key. And uh, shout out to Daniel Bryan for getting Drew Gulak on the card. He built yeah. Gulak to be on a WrestleMania card in three weeks. Yeah. That that man is doing great work right now. Um, first match of the night on, that, on the main card was Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross versus the Kabuki Warriors. And this went how we thought it would. Kabuki Warriors lost. Kari Sane took the pin. Alexa Bliss must pose. Um, it was never in doubt. Like Vince loves Alexa. She's going to get as many title runs as possible. And due to injuries, this has kind of been in the works, but shelved a few times. Uh, injuries to Alexa Bliss and then to Kari Sane. So now we see the women's tag team championships defended in the first time, for the first time in like four months. And it's a loss by the Kabuki Warriors in a match that was kind of, uh, it was ho-hum. But it felt like it went forever. It only went 15 minutes. Yeah, I mean, look, man, as you guys know, I'm the biggest Oscar stand there is. But I feel like Kari Sane's really beginning the short end of the stick since she's been on the quote-unquote main roster. 
Um, you know, this was a former NXT champion. This is a woman who won the Mae Young Classic. And she's been reduced to the one who eats the pins in these matches. And um, I'm not going to say that Bliss and Cross didn't work. Because they did work. And Asuka was phenomenal as, as always. Yep. But it just doesn't equate when, you know, you introduce these tag team titles a year ago. And they've been defended. I think I can count on both hands how many times they've been defended. And they've been, they've changed hands already more to almost 50% of the time. So it's like, well, what's the point? Can anybody defend these goddamn titles? And Alexa Bliss winning with a twisted bliss that lands on Kyrie's legs, it just doesn't look good. Um, I don't know where Asuka and Kyrie go from here. And I'm more concerned with Kyrie than Asuka because Asuka clearly has personality. And it's something yeah. that regardless of what you think of her uh, getting pushed or not pushed, that personality is going to keep her on television. Kyrie doesn't have that benefit. And I guarantee you that Vince McMahon doesn't know the, the difference between Kyrie saying EO survive if they were in the same room. That's what's tough. Like, the only way to build Kyrie at this point is to have Asuka turn on her and give them legit time in a program. But then you have to put some type of stakes behind it, right? I don't know. Like, to get back to... I mean, Kyrie's saying she's played this heel role kind of well, but she's a, a baby face. Yeah. I Such mean, a believable listen. baby face. Like, the easiest ways to turn heel Asuka against her, maybe... I, I, Raw is so thin in the women's division outside of Charlotte, which we'll get to at some point in this podcast, um, that it seems like Becky Lynch would have to feud with Asuka next. Which, it just... All of this just seems really silly because you introduce a, ta a women's tag title right and mm -hmm. you you don't have enough women to keep this rotation going so you end up with the uh, tag team that you created the kabuki warriors you put the tag titles on them which everybody's like cool now these two women can actually carry these tag titles which they don't they carry them around but they don't work with them and yep. now they've given them to alexa bliss and nikki cross they don't even have a damn tag team name. They're just Bliss and Cross. Like they it's, it's it's this is like just two solo women doing stuff. And now that they're occupied, I guess who's next in line to challenge Bliss and Cross? Who would you put in there? What women tag team are there? Will you well, to, the to lose, no, I mean the Iconics should come back. So that's that's good. I mean they're a legit tag team. Um, I think the only female legit tag team is the Iconics. But then, I mean Tamina's there. Why not bring? You know, Nia Jax back and have her and Tamina. Kind of as that, like, female AOP dynamic. You know, just a giant monster heel tag team. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see what's wrong with that. Especially if you got to start building it to these women having some feuds and runs with the titles, right? So, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross can go over on Tamina and Nia Jax without Nia Jax being weakened because Tamina can always take the pin. So, you can actually build something there. It, it's yeah. a tag team where you have someone who can take pins because they ain't got shit going for them. And that's Tamina's best role right now. She I can think, eat pins. And it's not Kyrie Sane eating pins. I think the the, the, the word uh, they don't have shit going for them is like epitomizes the women's tag team division. It doesn't have <laughs> shit going for it. It's no. You, yeah, I mean, they had Fire and Desire, a tag team they built up since they came up from NXT, right? Two years. And we'll get to talking about here in a second. That shit is done. Yeah. So they're just breaking up legit tag teams left and right. Um, next match after this, Elias versus King Corbin. They did my man dirty. And now at this point, King Corbin's a baby face to me because he cooks the meanest barbecue on uh, wrestling Twitter. So 
you know, I, I can't go against King Corbin. This is the mid card that I've been saying that he belongs in, right? This is his place, not the top of the card, not feuding for titles with Roman Reigns or pushing Roman Reigns into title feuds. This is where he lives. Mid card, asshole heel, and they don't let him win at WrestleMania. Yeah, I don't I don't care. Um this match <laughs> this match didn't have a ton of heat behind it. We never expected this to be a great match. It really leads to nothing. Um, Elias winning. I, I've been completely clueless on Elias's booking for the, like the past two years. I can't tell like one week he's a babyface and the next week he feels like he's going heel again. So I can't tell exactly what they're doing with him. So to have him go over on Corbin, I don't mind it. I just don't know what the plans are. And I guarantee you that Corbin's going to be back into a meaningful feud. This is that him losing doesn't mean a thing. But it's whack because now it's like Roman Reigns spent eight months finally trying to beat, well, he beat Corbin throughout the way. But Corbin was this foil for Roman Reigns, and that's why Roman Reigns deserves his title shot. He finally beat the hell out of Corbin to the point Corbin didn't want to come back. And then you go into Elias, and then it's like, Elias can beat Corbin too? So what Roman Reigns just did for the past eight months isn't special. I mean, it wasn't. I mean, we can't. You know, we can't put lipstick on the pig here. It just, it wasn't. It wasn't they, good. They should have at least tried to put some lipstick on the pig. Nah, look, I don't. Look, <laughs> I don't care. Like Baron Corbin retired Kurt Angle. He got his WrestleMania moment. He won the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Right? Didn't he do that like a couple he years did. ago? Yeah. So he's had his ago. moments, man. Him, him losing to Elias on what should have been a pre-show match, and Gulak and Cesaro should have got this time. Doesn't bother me at all. This was nine minutes, and it felt like fifteen. Because there was no heat in this match. It was just happening. And then (laughs) women's title match, which was shorter than Elias versus Corbin. Becky Lynch versus Shayna Baszler for the Raw Women's Championship. I mean, we thought it could happen. But it comes to fruition. Becky beats Shayna. And now it's like, what's next? Look, I, I said what I said. I said... Leading into this, I felt like Vince had given up on Shayna. Not even given up, but I just he looked at her and was like, "Ugh, not her." <laughs> like I just I don't feel like he just this had her crush everyone in the elimination chamber. Yeah, but that was just to give Becky Lynch a foil, right? I mean, this this title could eventually change hands. I don't think this feud is over by a long shot. I think the way that Becky won, which is kind of interesting when you think about it. Now Shayna only loses except to Rhea Ripley by this this damn roll up. Kyrie Sane beat her the same exact way. It was, it was the uh, the Bret Hart uh, Roddy Piper WrestleMania roll up, where she puts her in the sleeper and it just rolls her up on the shoulders. This yep. is the second time that Shayna's lost by that, which looks like an escape thing. Um, but it's not like a submission, anything like that. It wasn't like Becky beat her. The good thing was this match was short, which I'm not mad at because this poten- had the potential to be a horrible plotting match. So these, these women worked. I'm just a little concerned with the position that Shayna is in because you brought her in. The initial thought was, hey, she's going to win the Royal Rumble. Nope, she didn't do that. Then she comes in and does this vampire shit, which is like, all right, cool, whatever. Then she kind of disappears from TV for a little while and she shows up. But if you remember, like she came in as such a badass at Survivor Series. Yeah. And from now, it feels like it's a diminishing return on Shayna Baszler. So I'm not even sure... How far are they going to go with this? But I don't think this feud is over. But the problem with this feud now is we really don't know what, how much more pro wrestling we're going to get from the WWE. Even though they're promoting Money in the Bank from May 10th, which seems utterly fucking ridiculous. But we really don't know how they're going to do week to week. How do you how do you keep this angle going? It just feels like Shayna's lost a lot of steam. And Becky, who needs a character overhaul, in my opinion, because he's getting stale with the man and his, like the truck. It's all goofy. Um, 
Just the truck is goofy. The man, you can't overhaul the man. That's what she got. Yeah, it's like I'm, trying to overhaul overhaul Stone Cold Steve Austin. No, nah, it's like, the attitude. It's the attitude because Becky's best work was obviously as a heel. And then when she became a badass chasing, because it still felt like she was a tweener. Now it feels like she's a, a full-on baby face that's lost a little bit of her edge. And her getting escape victories like this at Shayna are good for Raw or they're good for a other, another pay-per-view. But at WrestleMania, I yeah. don't know, man. It should have either been Shayna's crowning moment or Becky should have been definitively beat her and then it's whatever. But I had a feeling like this just wasn't going to work out. This just wasn't going to be the thing that everybody focused on. Because initially when you looked at this match, you was like, oh, this could be like close to the top of the card. It's in the middle of the fucking card on night one. It's weird. Yeah. I mean, I thought it main event night one, to be honest. So when it was in the middle, I was like, oh, okay, that's, it is a little weird. But, um, you know, with the roll-up, this is a thing they've been doing at WrestleMania for a couple years now. Where WrestleMania has become the beginning of feuds instead of the end of feuds. Yeah. And like it feels like, okay, she didn't tap Shayna. So the storyline could go on longer. And what are we going to have? A submission match? Next, so you can't do a cheap roll-up. The person has to tap or be submitted. So it's like that's probably where they're going next. Well, you know what's um, fascinating? Another thing that's fascinating about this is that Becky Lynch has won the last two WrestleManias against former MMA fighters with um, roll-ups. Yep. I don't. Is that a statement? To, I don't know. Maybe I'm looking at it too deep. Like, hey, MMA fighters, you're not good enough to submit me, but I can roll your punk ass up. Like, is that what it is? Because I guess that could be realistic, right? Like, if you if you sit down and say like you have a mind like Heyman, because they were both raw people. Um, but if you sit down and he's like, yo, realistically, Becky can't tap someone who has years of MMA experience. So how are we going to have her win? Because she can't out-submission the submission magician. Like, this is someone who has legit subs, and Ronda Rousey's Ronda Rousey. So it's just like, okay, let's have her do roll-ups to win, because that's at least somewhat believable. Which is, look, again, it's like, all right, I guess I guess that's fine. I, I just don't know. I don't know. I feel like Becky's lost a lot of steam. Like, Becky was ultra, ultra hot at one point. I feel like it happens to everybody at a certain point where the character needs a little bit of a kick in the ass and a real challenge. And I felt like this, what I said, is Shayna beating Becky might have gave us a more venomous uh, tooth, like an edgier Becky Lynch. And instead, we're getting the same old Becky because she wasn't even pushed to her limit in this match. She just kind of escaped with a win. You need someone to beat her. The question is who or do you just wait until Charlotte comes back around? No, God. Right? Because Charlotte, people say what they want, but Becky chasing Charlotte is a good narrative. Every time. Anyone chasing Charlotte is a good narrative. So it's just, yeah, but who else? Like, if Shayna's not that person, she was the second most dominant woman in NXT history. It's like, so it's, if she's not that person, um, maybe a heel Asuka can be that person. You know, I, I think it definitely could. Like, if Oscar takes the belt off of Becky Lynch, give him a six-month program with Becky chasing Oscar, I'd be happy as hell. So here's a question, because we're going to get to when we get to Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte on night two. No women from NXT that have gotten called up have done much of anything. When you really think about this, since the horsewomen got called up... And okay, Bayley I was about to say, outside of the horsewomen. Yeah, outside, after Bailey, Ember Moon, Asuka, uh, Shayna... Um, I mean, you look at some of these other women. I mean, Alexa Bliss, I guess you could count. She's had a better run than most of these women. She's had, yep. like, 
But the, the the most dominant women, it feels like there's a different train of thought as to what Triple H and the NXT brass think of the women versus what Vince thinks about them on the main roster. Because Definitely. an Alexa Bliss, a Becky Lynch, uh, they didn't do anything in NXT. And now it's like the women who were dominant in NXT or were champions, Ember Moon, who's been hurt, granted, Asuka, uh, we, Kari, Kari Sane. I mean, you go down the list... And then it's just like, what happens when, I mean, because the same thing happens to the men, for the most part, except for guys like Drew actually get to that top spot. But the women, for the past couple years, you have them dominate in NXT, you bring them up, and then it's like, they get knocked down a notch. And they're not, they either get a character overhaul, or they just, because they didn't know what to do with Ember Moon, they didn't know what to do with Kyrie Sane, they they didn't know what to do with... uh, I mean, I mean, I guess they know what they're doing with Shayna. I don't know. And Asuka, it was like they just had her lose out the gate after she won the Royal Rumble. I don't understand. Yeah, but this. she's held the championship twice, I believe. So, like, Asuka, Asuka, I would say, is the best case after the Horsewomen. Because she's held titles, kind of like Nakamura, 70, 75% of the time. They let right, her but- win a Royal Rumble. Like, they, they've done a lot for Asuka, just not as much you know, as people think should happen, which I guess they have time, whatever. They haven't done wrong by Asuka. They, they could have done better. But it comes down to, if you're not a horsewoman, what's the what's the ceiling? That's, that's my point. Because look, look, this is what I'm saying. WrestleManias have happened. Asuka yep. lost to, to Charlotte. Yep. She got tapped out, right? We're going to get to Rhea in a second. Shayna just lost to a horsewoman. Like, is this, like, if the ceiling is going to be the horsewomen... And none of these women can beat their beat them on the major stage. What the fuck is the point? To feed people to the horsewomen. That's but that's why? it. Like at, at this point, they are they are crowned. If you're not one of the four, and Sasha's 0 and five at WrestleMania's, and it doesn't even matter because she's the best wrestler of the four. Or so it, like you just get a pass. Like sure, Sasha could lose all the time. It doesn't matter. She's delivering the actual wrestling talent. Her and Charlotte, but. You look at it, if you're not one of those four, they all got called up, people thought, very early to the main roster. They all got put in prominent positions, uh, you know, and Bailey stayed down. But the other three, you have Becky, who was the first SmackDown Women's Champion ever. Charlotte's eight-time champ. Uh, Sasha's had it like five times and put on some of the best matches. First Women's Hell in a Cell. All, all these crazy things. They've all broken all these records to triple threat at Mania. That they had, all of this was built around them. And I think once Vince finds something or he finds that group of people, he'll roll with them for 20 years. So it's it's the same thing. It's like Triple H. Triple H, you're like, yo, why is he at the top of the card through the entire early 2000s? It's because he he was that. He, He had formed that spot and Vince was never going to knock him back down. And I feel like that's what's happening with the horsewomen. If you're a horsewoman... Around Mania time, you're going to be in a main in a main picture. All four of them, by hook or by crook, whether you lose, win, whatever, you're not going to be left off the card. And everyone else is chasing the horsewoman. Asuka is as close as you get. That might be the ceiling for someone not a horsewoman. Or Alexa Bliss. So this creates the dilemma, right? Like The dilemma is, how can you create... Because it's, the problem isn't necessarily the amount of women, because they have a decent amount of women. But if you never put yeah. anybody over at WrestleMania, how can you enter feuds and be engaged, right? Because at the end of the day, you start to think, they're just going to lose. Because yep. if Asuka beats Charlotte at WrestleMania, it doesn't hurt Charlotte. 
it elevates Asuka. You can still do the heel run and everything else because then Asuka went and fucked around and lost to Carmella. And it, she yeah. lost a ton of momentum along the way. Kairi Sane, if she could go over on somebody, you establish Kairi Sane as a foil to maybe a Sasha Banks. Who wouldn't want to see Sasha and Kairi Sane in a match for a title or just a, a heated feud? Like, there could be some magic there. But if you yep. keep knocking down these women, the moment they get their opportunity to shine at WrestleMania, because, like you said, Charlotte is the workhorse. and Char- I mean, not Charlotte. Sasha is the workhorse. She's going to get her moment. I think her yep. injuries have kind of held her up. But everybody else has had their moment at WrestleMania. But these other women, you can't establish any of them unless they go over over on one of them. On each other. That's it. At, at this point, the only way they lose is if they lose to each other. And that that's just ridiculous. I don't know, man. I'm sorry for that rant. It just uh, I was thinking about it, and I was just like, well, what's Becky going to do next? And you mentioned Charlotte. I was like, how many times are you going to keep going back to the same well without establishing another woman? Shouldn't Kyrie okay. Shane be elevated? And we'll talk about this when we come to night two, but what is... Sasha gonna do next? What is Bailey gonna do next? We they're saw gonna, that. We know what they're gonna do. <laughs> we know what they're gonna do. It's it always comes back to that because I I don't know. Vince has come a long way from you know like the two thousands era of women's wrestling, right? So he he's embraced that change, but it's still like and, and you said it like he looked at Shayna Baszler and was like I don't think I can trust her. He only trusts four women. That's it. So if you get into a spot, unless you're Ronda Rousey, he's only trusting four other women. He puts the belt on Alexa Bliss every now and then for a change-up, and I think she does well as a champion. So it's a change-up, and she carries the belt for a little while, and then you find a way to get it back onto one of the horsewomen. And really, Alexa Bliss, people are like, oh, she's pushing the top of the cart. Asuka and Alexa Bliss have been running the same exact track. Except Oscar's been doing it on SmackDown, Alexa Bliss does it on Raw. You hold that title for a while, hold that title for a while, lose to a horsewoman, lose to a horsewoman, you got the tag titles, got the tag titles. Like, they're in the same exact spot. So it's those two women, everyone else below them, and the horsewoman, 10 levels on top of them. I don't like it. I don't like it. I mean, it. you can hang your hat on four worse women, though. So, I mean, they, they've been put in this position and this pedestal but they've done pretty well with it um, again they've done well with it but eventually you need to differentiate the matchups like we're going back to the well too many times with the same women like i know nia Jax is hurt right and we did that whole thing with nia jackson alexa bliss with nia getting bullied which was a stupid angle but at least somebody else it got gave, a spotlight yeah gave like, nia her moment her main like moment. somebody like naomi which we'll talk about when we get to night two like Create another woman who can give these women a hard time. Somebody else is to fucking win at WrestleMania. That's just all I'm saying. Somebody somebody else needs their time to shine. I can't keep having Charlotte stifle somebody because th- this is the second time she's done it. Becky's just getting elevated. It's only been like a year since she finally had a run. And she beat Shayna. But it's like, damn, well, what does that say about Shayna? We have to establish some more women, especially if you're going to pull them out of NXT to bring them here just to lose. Got to cut yeah. that shit out. The precedent's going to be you can beat the horsewomen anytime except WrestleMania and SummerSlam. That's whack. That's going to be it. We're going to know the outcome going into those matches. And maybe damn near the Royal Rumble at this point. Because two of the three women's Royal Rumble winners were horsewomen. <laughs> and maybe Sasha wins it next year. Uh. <laughs> like, Asuka's the only one that broke into it. Yeah. That's it. So, I mean... They they run women's wrestling in the WWE. Just 
how it is. I mean, I'll take that over the Bellas, though. Let's be real. Like, for a second, it was Bellas and AJ Lee. No, I, I agree. I take that over the Bellas, but I, I think you're just going to – they're going to get stale. They're going to get stale if they keep running in these same circles. That's all. Um. All right, next match up, which, oddly enough, was longer than Becky and Shayna's match but felt three times shorter, was Sami Zayn versus Daniel Bryan. Maybe it felt shorter because there was a lot of, like, heel tactics for the first three minutes of Sami Zayn rolling outside the ring. Um, but it was almost a 10-minute match. So it fits the time they give stuff in this mid-card. It just it still felt too short. It felt like they were just getting into it. But it was a good match for when it was going. It just ended in a blink with Sami Zayn being Sami Zayn, a super heel, and rolling up Daniel Bryan and, to me, extending the feud. Yeah, well, no, he, I mean, he had a halluva kick uh, when Brian was distracted on the outside. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. ran into a halluva kick. Yeah, he, he ran into one, and that was that. So, um, yeah, the match was good. I mean, Sammy, Sammy's just a fun guy to watch, period. And what is it, the Artistic Collective? is They're a fun little group. I like it. I, I wish they got elevated a little bit more, but whatever. Um, I'd like to see him work matches like this. I think I think this circle is, can if you add... You guys are going to probably jump on me for this one. If you add Shorty G and change him back to the Chad Gable, this could be like your new SmackDown 6. These guys can fucking wrestle. And you know what I'm saying? Like, they can work the mid card and they can make that IC title relevant and they can have great matches week in and week out. I mean, dude, listen, Sami Zayn and Daniel Bryan, this is not the peak of their feud, which actually I hope it's not. I hope this thing continues because these two could have probably a five star match in somebody's laundry closet because they're that (laughs) good. They didn't get a lot of time here, but at least they got time, which hopefully sent the signal that, you know what, we need to establish these guys and, and run this feud a little bit longer. Because Gulak is good. Gulak is damn good. And, oh, yeah. And Nakamura, who has been criminally underused. Like, this is like, with, that, with the exception of Daniel Bryan, all these guys have been criminally underutilized one way or another. Cesaro, probably the most of them all. Maybe Sami Zayn. But they can all work. Like, if you put the, these guys in, I keep saying Chad Gable because that guy's got something that nobody else has. You put them in an Elimination Chamber match, I'm watching that shit. That shit would be great. <laughs> Easy. Give me, so, I don't care if it's a three-on-three. Three. Like, now, they set the precedent that Daniel needs someone to help even the odds. Yeah, which is fine. So, if they insert Chad Gable and then you have, a you know, that tag match with Three versus three, give that 20 minutes. And then I love that they've been doing different combos on SmackDown every week. Yeah, dude. So it was Gulak Cesaro or Gulak Nakamura and then Cesaro Daniel Bryan. Like, just switch that up for three months and I'm good. Yeah, like this was a good collection of talent. I'm glad they're getting an opportunity. Uh, There's a lot of guys who still aren't getting opportunities, but whatever. At least these guys are. Um, Sammy Zayn being chicken shit for most of the match, I'm totally fine with this. He's just he's so good. He is he yep. is really really good. So the right guy won. I expected uh, uh, Sammy Zayn to win. The hell of a kick, cool little spot. Wish it got more time, but hopefully it's just to start of something more. And this was the best Gronk was all weekend. So coming out doing the Daniel Bryan chance, the yes yes, like he added a crowd aspect to it, and then the people around the ring helped a ton. Yeah, it gave it some energy. But yeah, yeah, like something. It, this it shows like okay, this is kind of why AEW does it, and what sets it apart. Because even having so, and I've noticed AEW is like social distanced the people now in the crowd, so they try to put them at least like six feet away from each other. 
or a couple chairs away from each other. So if, if you can do that and just space people out, it makes so much of a difference because the people on the outside were still in their characters. Yeah. So if you can just have that added atmosphere, it made a it made for a good fun match and uh, really started ramping up the night. So this one to me was like, okay, cool, we're getting into this. And then we had the triple threat ladder match, which was a singles match now because Miz got sick. But all three of these guys delivered. All right, we'll get back to the show in a second. But with no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think that there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner still has hundreds of sports, events, and games to wager on. Or let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack. All open 24 hours a day and all online, including a $750,000 poker series. So if you're into props and entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the weather. Visit their website and join today to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Be sure to use promo code BLUEWIRE. Bet online, your online wagering experts. Yeah. So Jimmy Uso, which it says, I didn't know if it was Jimmy or Jay, held it down for the Usos, John Morrison for the champions, and Kofi Kingston in his role. 18-minute match. I It felt so good. It didn't feel like 18 minutes. It felt like it got the appropriate time, and you couldn't script a better ending than what they had with John Morrison retaining the title, which it should. Don't change the hand. Don't change the title when it's not a tag team match. Like, find a way for him to keep the title, but everyone looks strong. Yeah, I thought this was, for what it was, it was a good match. I mean, the circumstances stunk, but I blame, you know what, I'm going to go back. There's somebody that put, posted a tweet that said we should thank the the producer, well, not the producers, the cameramen, the, the wrestlers, the referees for putting on the show when they didn't have to. No, they had to. This this was not optional. Like, somebody no. pointed it out, like, <laughs> this is not optional. No. This is not what, I don't think... Some guys, like UFC fighters, MMA fighters in general, yeah, you want to fight, but you got to be saved from yourselves. And this was a situation that could take a turn for the worse if Miz got any sicker than he was. And they held out for so long in announcing it. They waited till the morning of WrestleMania to announce that this was now a singles match for tag titles. The circumstances were fucking ridiculous and dumb. Yet and still, these three men delivered with a great match. It's just, when you look at the match on his face, it's like, what? We're doing a tag title match with... With singles because one of them might have had the Rona? Like, that's a lot, man. That's a lot to put on these guys. And they still ended up working. So, for people to say thank you to them because they didn't have to, no, they did have to. But I thank them for working and entertaining us. Because, like, I prefer that they didn't have to work. I prefer that this got postponed. But now that we're here and they're going to do it, fine, fuck it. Here we are. And this match delivered. And funny, the funny thing about, about this match in terms of work... This was the best Starship pain that John Morris has done since he came back. <laughs> that, <laughs> there was the Starship pain like off the rope on, I think it was on a ladder. That was a bet like his Starship pain had not had the rotation like it usually had. It was like that joke when Michael Jackson couldn't spin all the way. That was like John Morris and <laughs> Starship pain, but he nailed it. Um he did the rope walk. Shout out to Phoenix cuz that's clearly Ray Phoenix's move right there cuz he walks in ropes exponentially well. Uh, but these guys worked hard and the, you're right. The right guy won. You keep those titles, and I don't know what you do after this. Um, I guess eventually, the, I mean, 
Maybe you find another tag team to inject into this at some point, but Miz and Morrison are going to be the champs. You don't need to take it off of them for a minute. Establish those titles. Let them hold on to them. No, I definitely agree. And it gives this feud, if you want to keep it between the three best tag teams clearly on SmackDown, you can keep going with it. Because it wasn't with the tag team partners. You you can add a different dynamic to it. I, I liked it. It was a great match. And then we rolled into the best in-ring match of the weekend. Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins. No DQ match. What turned into a no DQ match. 17 minutes. Perfectly planned out. And Kevin Owens said he wanted a WrestleMania moment. To me, this was his WrestleMania moment. He went out there and took it. Yeah, I mean, we've said it before. Kevin Owens is an amazing talent. He's not un- necessarily underutilized, but I think his potential has still not been peaked yet. I, th- I still think there's more from Kevin Owens that we haven't seen. And this was the perfect example. Um, this, was a, this was a Ring of Honor match, essentially, between two guys who came from ROH and could work their asses off, and they put together a spectacular match. Um, Owens with the dive off of the, thing, off of the, uh, the WrestleMania sign. I guarantee you if this was in Tampa, it would have been something even crazier. Maybe he would have jumped off a pirate ship or some shit like that. I don't know. But I think the the fact that this didn't end with a DQ and they kept the match going and it ended with that, that dive and the, the stunner, which I'm still not completely sold on, but whatever. If you're not going to do the package pile driver, the stunner's fine. The right guy won. He got his moment. Seth doesn't lose any steam because he's still Seth Rollins. He put together a great match. These guys worked their absolute asses off. And I love this match. This was the match of the night. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. <sighs> Where does it go? Well, that's a whole nother question entirely. I guess you can just drop it, right? Starting you feud for both guys. Elevate Kevin Owens into a different program. It would, to me, and you talked about it last week and it got me thinking about it. It would be the perfect time for Kevin Owens to go heel and challenge for the title. Drew Mack needs a foil. I think they could have a really good program with really good matches. Yeah, I mean, look, Kevin Owens is not a babyface. There are certain guys that when they turn babyface because they're so good as heels. And Kevin Owens is one of those guys. He's such a good heel that eventually the fans get behind him and he goes babyface. But he's not a babyface. He needs to be a heel. And... I don't know. He just kind of started this babyface run, but dude, him and Drew Mack, that's that's the perfect type of feud. You know, mm-hmm. it sucks because the usually the first feud is the one that doesn't necessarily matter. The first feud when you win a big title is usually the feud that elevates you as the champion and proves that you're a champion. And that's why I always call it the Big Show match because everybody that used to win the title wrestled the Big Show first. Because he was never going to win, but you could do something spectacular to prove, yeah, I'm championship material. I don't want Owens to be that guy. I want Owens to be a guy who we think can legitimately take the title off of Drew. So it feels like this is going to sound terrible. It might be Baron Corbin's new position to challenge Drew McIntyre for reasons completely unknown. Or to challenge for any title, at that, for that matter. But I don't know, man. I, like, I don't think they're going to turn Owens heel. I don't know what you do with Seth Rollins yet. But I'm not mad. This is not me saying I don't know and they have a, a hard decision to make. I think they'll figure it out because those two guys are just too good to not do anything important. Oh, definitely. And Seth's a new character. He'll be fine. Yeah. Plenty of people on the mid-card for him to go and try to recruit, which is the biggest thing because um, it looks like one of AOP got hurt. So okay. maybe he goes out to recruit a new member. 
Um, I mean, shit, Ricochet ain't doing nothing. Like, you can have a Ricochet feud. You can have a Cedric Alexander feud, which would make for really good wrestling in the ring. Yeah, you just got to do something with those guys. Those guys have just lost too much. For yeah, just have them put on two months of good matches and then eventually lose to Seth. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I think the WWE's lost faith in both of those guys, and it, Vince, not even WWE, but whatever, we'll see. Yeah, that's the key. We'll see, and we'll see if we even have shows. That's the big, we're operating as though there's a show every week. Um, and then I'm surprised. I thought this was going to be your match tonight: Braun Strowman versus Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this also happened to be a theme for main event titles, um, or for the top titles during WrestleMania. We saw two minutes and ten seconds of spammed finishers. Strowman <laughs> getting the best of it was what Spears versus power slams and big meaty man bumping meat, <laughs> and that that. That's what we got, and Strowman came out as champion to what felt like no buzz, and it's not even because it was empty arena. No one at home, no one on Twitter had any buzz about this. They're just like, uh, okay, that's weird. This, I mean, this was the perfect example when you paint yourself into a corner. Like, they booked themselves into a corner with this Goldberg title switch. You know Goldberg can't, well... You didn't know, but you, you're probably sure that you couldn't pay Goldberg enough to hang around to really defend the title against Roman Reigns. So you had to get the title off of him. But if he's just stuck with The Fiend from the beginning, you'd have never had this fucking problem. You wouldn't have to deal with Braun Strowman showing up. Like, you, you just wouldn't have to do it. Like, I've said this before. If you went with Fiend and Cena at WrestleMania for the title with, some, with something being on the line, even though what we got was actually incredibly entertaining. But... There, there was a lot more in stock there. Instead, we got this, I don't know, like a Jack Swagger Alberto Del Rio title match that I just didn't give a shit about. And <laughs> like people were like, this is Braun Strowman's crowning moment. Dog, Braun Strowman just lost the IC title, right? And he's been like pandering in the middle ground forever. And his opportunity to be something big, I feel like, has passed him up. I said it before, he's become the big show. So him winning the title, he's a transitional champion. Don't get this shit confused. He is not going to be a guy that holds on to that title very long. He's keeping it warm for Roman, which in theory even is worse because we've already seen these guys work against each other. So everything about this was bad. And Goldberg, we knew we couldn't get him in the jackhammer. We got what we get, like four spears? Four spears. Four spears and like a bunch of power slams. This was whack. Nobody cares. This was this was garbage. Two minutes and ten seconds? Garbage. Garbage, garbage, garbage. This could have opened up the car for all I care. This sucked. <laughs> Tell them how you really feel. I suck. Um, but no, I, I've i made sense out of it because you can't keep the belt on Goldberg because he's not going to, quote-unquote, wrestle every week if you bring people back to the PC to tape shows. And Roman Reigns ain't showing up as long as this shit's at the PC and there's a chance of him getting sick. So to have your title on TV in some capacity... You put on Braun Strowman so he at least shows up every week. And then maybe you have a stupid little blow-off feud with him. And have him beat someone. Have him beat Elias or Corbin or something. Until it gets at least somewhat safe. And maybe all these athletes can be legitimately tested. 
for the coronavirus, and then you can guarantee Roman Reigns some sort of safety coming back into the building, which may not be until August, right. September. Who knows? But you got to let the man have the right to stay at home and not be sick because he does have a compromised immune system. And if you do want your television on TV in some capacity between now and later in the year, putting it on Braun Strowman is probably your only option. Well, so the last thing on this before we can move on to the main event of night one is that the problem with this title right now is it's being held in a uh, in a warmer for Roman Reigns. Yes. So it's completely un- it's completely predictable that he's going to get his hands back on the title, which makes it less fun. Because if I felt like Braun Strowman was getting the title to do something with and feud mm-hmm. with some guys on SmackDown, I'd be into this. I'd be like, all right, cool. This might become interesting. But knowing that the end game for all of this shit is for Roman to get the title back. The reason they took it off The Fiend was to put it on Goldberg so that people wouldn't be so pissed off and they cheer for Roman Reigns when he beat Goldberg at WrestleMania. That was, the whole path ends at Roman Reigns. When Roman Reigns should win the titles when I'm over it. And when I say I'm over it, I'm not meaning that I'll finally just give him the title. It feels earned. Like, I feel yeah. like he earned that title. It doesn't feel earned. And I think that's Beating all... Corbin isn't earning a title. That's what I'm saying. It, it has never felt earned with Roman Reigns. And it's not his fault. It's not his fault. Like, we boo him because nothing ever felt earned. It never felt he worked his way into winning the title. When Seth Rollins cashed in and won, we were genuinely shocked because he was doing such great work as a heel that when he cashed in, it was not only a surprise, but it was like, man, he's been working his ass off. He earned it. When Daniel Bryan won it, because remember, before Daniel Bryan won it at uh, WrestleMania 30, he was the champion. He had beat, he cashed in and beat Mark Henry. And then he was a chicken shit heel with a title. And that was cool, whatever, but when he won it at WrestleMania, it felt earned. It felt like he worked to get it. Right now, Roman Reigns isn't in a position where you feel like he's earning every, anything. It just feels like he continuously gets given back to him. And that's the problem. Because I'd like to see somebody that you go, oh, man, Roman, he might not win. He might not win this. Yeah. Like, like, hey, man, like if Samoa Joe was champion, like Samoa Joe and Braun Strowman feud or something like that, and you and you do some things to when eventually where Roman can work his way back with numerous feuds, not necessarily 50-50 stuff, but maybe he does go on a losing streak. Maybe he does. But they had that Roman. chance. They had. There's no better chance than the eight months they've had since he went Drew McIntyre, which was a decent feud with a pretty good match for just returning, right? So it gave him a Mania win. Cool. He goes over on Drew McIntyre, who's a good name. Corbin feud, if you had to do it, do it for two months. And then they had the chance to roll him through feuds. And they didn't do it. They just stuck him with Corbin. And then stuck him with Corbin. And then stuck him with Corbin. So they they missed that chance. I I just don't get it. Like, I know that Roman Reigns is your guy. Like... There was a, the Stone Cold thing was Stone Cold never lost. If you ever look like Stone Cold rarely ever lost a clean match. But he was like super fucking over at the time. So it was really hard for a lot of people to digest that. But The Rock, on the other hand, The Rock lost a lot. But he was so <laughs> charismatic that it didn't fucking matter. In the case of Roman Reigns, he's not Stone Cold. And he's not The Rock. He's a yeah, guy he's that... neither of those guys. Yeah, he has the look, right? He has everything else going for him. But it's okay if he loses because he everybody recognizes him as your guy. So if he, not Baron Corbin, but if he lost to Drew Mack or if he lost a tough feud by Crook to somebody like a Sami Zayn, which sounds ridiculous in theory, but if you put him on a losing streak where he has to claw his way back to the top where the odds are against him, 
then yeah. it feels earned. This shit just doesn't feel earned because he's going to go right back into the title picture. He didn't win WrestleMania. He didn't do anything to get a shot at Goldberg. He just showed up and said, I'm next. That doesn't he feel re- earned. He reminds me of Triple H, the wrestler, where you look at Triple H was in DX and, you know, with Sean and even China to a point, but he wasn't the guy in DX. And then you you figure out what to do after Sean leaves, which is now Roman. Like, you try to push Triple H, and it's kind of like, all right, you're 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 getting to the point where it's kind of stale sometimes. But at least Triple H had the second iteration of DX. But the biggest thing for him was he had The Rock. He had Stone Cold. He had Mick Foley. And that feud did a lot for him. Roman hasn't had those things to push him to that main and, and make it feel like it's deserved. Yeah. Triple H, he's just like the bland version of Triple H. Like, he has the look. He's respected, I guess, more than Triple H was. He's Vince's guy, but it's still just not there. But he doesn't have these other people to necessarily propel him into that. Goldberg, damn sure, wasn't that person. No. He he just doesn't have those classics with his peers. Like, an AJ Styles feud would go a long way for him. Yeah, if they let AJ go over. That's that's all I'm saying. Like, yeah, have AJ beat him twice because AJ's a heel. He has help on the outside. He he can beat him once clean because he's a better wrestler. And then have Roman Reigns actually put on a real classic match. They had they had a, a really good match, I think, two years ago, three years ago. Yeah. It was like no host barred. That shit was really good. Give him that again. Have him build to that. It, it, there's people he can work with. That can give him those matches. Yeah. So it's 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 weird. Corbin was not the guy to no. give him those matches. No, no. It, it just these weren't these weren't feuds that elevated him. Like no. the the best thing about a feud is there's a feud and there's some back and forth. I'm not saying fifty fifty booking, but I'm saying it could be like seventy five twenty five, where you mm-hmm. know you lose by a roll up on some pulling of the tight shit or you get cheated. Or like the old brass knucks thing with the brass knucks and the tights. Like you have to lose. and But you have to lose and then you have to bow. Not even bow out. But you need to be pushed out of that title picture for a while because you're so involved in other things. Corbin yeah. wasn't that kind of feud because like nobody gave a shit. It just dragged on so long that nobody cared. So Strowman having the title, it's, he's, a, he's, a, he's just warming it up for Roman. And I hate that part about it. But this, this match, yes, it sucked. It is, it is awful. Yeah, it was two two minutes of bad. Uh, bathroom break time, though, because the night finished with the Boneyard match, Undertaker versus AJ Styles, that you have to go you had to go back and watch again. 19-minute match, uh, longest of the night, but pre-recorded, obviously. And this is one of those pleasant things that you just luck up on, right? Because I, I think if Mania was live and everything was normal, they would have paraded the Undertaker to the ring to try to have a real match with AJ Styles. Yep. And the circumstances dictated that they try something different, try it out the box. Stuff we've seen, you know, people now in in backstage of WWE, they have people who are at TNA who are familiar with this writing style, um, with the Lucha Undergrounds of the world. They've, they've seen this firsthand, how it worked for other promotions, and to the point where Vince didn't have any other option. So he was like, okay, try it. And lo and behold, it works at this level too. 
because they pulled off. We watched it on our stream. It was we couldn't hear like the shit talking by Taker and the curses and all this. Some of the funnier lines. So going back and watching it was good. It, it was the best you can get out of Undertaker at this age, and they may have extended his career another five years. Yeah, so there's a there's a plus and a minus to what you just said. But I, I, the match itself, like, I watched it, we watched it together. I was like, all right, this was cool. This is goofy. I felt like it took itself a little too seriously at times. Then I went back and watched it, and I listened. I was like, no, this was entertaining. And like you said, this is the best we're going to get out of The Undertaker. It didn't need to be a match. It needed to be highly produced. It needed to be fun with a bunch of bullshit. And that's what we got. And now people were, like, ranting and saying it was, like, the greatest thing ever. No, it wasn't that. But it was fun. It was, like a really fun thing to watch with Taker talking his shit, the goofy, him appearing behind AJ, the good brothers getting worked over, the Druids, which I don't understand. Um, they appeared, whatever. But this match, it was fun. Like, it was highly produced. Another match deserved this treatment, which we'll talk about in night two, and ruined it because it didn't get this treatment. But this was what you could get. Here's the problem with the second part of what you said. This extended Undertaker's career. You want to know why this match worked? Because everybody was at home watching on TV. This match does not work in front of 60,000 people watching on the TV. Like, if you if you try to do this again at a WrestleMania in L.A. Yeah. With all these people sitting in the arena having to watch on their screen for the next 20 minutes, it doesn't really work the same way. This worked because nobody was there. And we were all at home and we were all watching the same thing. It won't translate on the screen. And I hope... That they don't think that this is that what something they need to do when they get crowds back. This works for TV. This doesn't work for live audiences. I don't know. I mean, yes, that's true. But there's other matches for the live audience. And you also have to realize that there's, what, maybe 30 times the people watching on television than in the stadium. And that's if you pack 100,000 into the stadium. So, like, you should kind of cater the best matches towards television as well. I don't know. Because so, have, have you ever... I, I would... Would you be in favor of the split? I've seen people say this. Have the pre-taped ending in the arena like you had with Gold Dust and Roddy Piper. I don't know, man, because I've, I've been to... I've been to WrestleMania's. I've been to, to shows. And, like, if you've ever... Like, you've been to Pro Wrestling Live. And... I know it's supposed to cater to the, to the audience, but I, the crowd is what makes the spectacle a spectacle. Something I've said over and over. When you've been to a wrestling, when you've been to a live event, and the the action goes backstage or goes into the crowd or goes somewhere where you can't see it, it loses its energy because you're like, well, yeah. "What the fuck is going on?" This match, if you got 20 minutes of having to sit here and watch this, you'd be like, "Well, okay, I don't know." The other problem with it, with it is, this is this is not something you should do all the time like these pre like this is not this is what I, my concern is like vince is like oh shit this is good shit and then he just goes back to it over and over and over again <laughs> yeah don't overkill it yeah. don't do this in saudi don't do this for SummerSlam. no you can't do this every fucking day like the only, but the it only, could be cool for a mania special just for the undertaker yeah, I mean, yeah, I just, I don't know, man. It's hard for these to translate. I mean, this is the the time that I guess you can get a Sting Undertaker match, right? Is with this kind of production, which everybody's been yearning for for years. I just, I don't know. I don't have a lot of faith in the system. This worked. But I think once they figure out something works, they beat it to death. Like, as soon as they see something's hot, Vince grabs a hold of it, and then he ruins it. So if, if we see this at SummerSlam, if we see this at, like, to continue getting Undertaker matches, that'll be whack. 
Save this for something really special. I just don't know how well these recorded segments would translate in front of 60,000, 70,000 people in an arena. I don't know. Yeah, it'll be rough. It won't be as well received as this was. No. For the people in the arena. I, I think we can say that with some confidence. So it's like, yeah, it wouldn't be received like this one was. But again, when we were on the on the chat, it was like, yo, it was okay. And then we had to go back and watch it. So it's probably one of those things we'd have to go back to like the Airbnb and be like, yo, let's throw on that match and see how it was. Yeah, but usually I won't do that. Like, I don't watch, like, I still haven't watched a lot of the WrestleManias I've been to in full. They have Me to either. You- Not until they aired on ESPN. I was like, yo, I didn't watch this shit. Yeah, so it's, I, I don't ever have the desire to go back and watch something. But the, the reason why this in particular is because I was like, did I miss something? Because I knew I missed something while watching it with you guys because I was, I was several drinks in and we were all laughing and joking. And I was like, this is cool, but I don't know. And I just woke up. I was like, let me watch this shit again. I don't do that. I don't do that for much of anything. But we'll see. We'll see where this goes. I think Undertaker winning was fine. AJ Styles with his hand coming out of the dirt was fucking hilarious. <laughs> um, this is the perfect way to end night one. This was this was a good night. Was it great? No. Was it top five WrestleManias of all time, which I saw people say on Twitter? Absolutely fucking not. But it was good. It wasn't bad. It was not bad. They did. They did. Well, they did well with what they had. They made what they had work on night yeah. one. Then we get night, to night two. Night one was really good. Um, man, I I was excited for night two, and then it kind of kicked me in the mouth. So, <laughs> uh, Liv Morgan and Natalia, six minutes, a whole minute and a half more than Gulak got the night before. <laughs> Uh, Morgan and Natalia on the pre-show. Liv Morgan wins. That's cool. I don't mind Liv Morgan getting more shine. It's just, I, I don't know why. You, I think you pointed this out. Why Natalia? She's had three other feuds. Like, yeah. she couldn't wrestle someone else. Dude, the, you, were, you brought Liv Morgan back for the les, hot lesbian action angle with Lana. Hot you, lesbian. <laughs> you deaded that shit immediately. Even yeah. though Lana was still on this card, you could have done something to revisit it. You just deaded it. So then you moved to at Elimination Chamber. You was like, oh, we got the Riot Squad in there to, again. They never interacted. They got eliminated quick by Shayna. So Liv never got that opportunity. She got choked out last, right? I think Sarah yep. Logan was out first. So they never had their, they never put a finality on their them breaking up. So I thought, if you're heading into WrestleMania, why not do the triple threat with the Riot Squad? If you're going to do it on the pre-show. Perfect place for it. Got nothing but time on these pre-shows. That's what I'm saying. Perfect place for it. You can put a pin in it and be done with it. Or let's end this shit with Lana and have some goofy Gaga shit. You didn't do that. For whatever reason, you picked Natalia. And the only reason that I think is that Vince sees something in Liv Morgan after Paul Heyman brought her back. And he wants yeah. to keep her working. And I think the same case is with Aleister Black. They don't She's know blonde. What... That helps. Yeah, well, the blondness clearly. helps. But I think somebody like that and somebody like Aleister Black is like, they see something in them, but there's no active storyline, so let's just throw them in a fucking match to keep them visible. And that's exactly what they did with Liv. They just put her in a match. She won against Natalya. It has no ramifications on nothing, but it just keeps her working because they're going to they're gonna do something with them eventually. They just don't want them to disappear from TV. Yeah, which, which is fair. There's just, okay, there was no way to make the Aleister Black situation work, which we'll talk about that in one second. But Liv Morgan had feuds already built in. 
and maybe that's just saying the women involved in those feuds weren't good enough, but I don't understand how that's the case when I, I think Sarah Logan and Ruby Wright can wrestle a really good match. So if you would have gave them 12, 15 minutes on a pre-show and a triple threat, Liv Morgan could have won, and it would have been just as good a match against Natalia. Because Natty can wrestle. I get it. It's like the safe option of putting someone else in the ring. She's not going to make you look like an asshole. But I don't think the Riot Squad would have either. Um, Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley opened the night. And this match felt like it was 35 minutes long. Um, it was only I, it's 20 crazy. minutes. Or maybe this wasn't the match. Yeah, this, this felt 35 minutes long. There's a match later on that felt an hour long. But this match was 20 minutes and 30 seconds. And to me, it just got a little long just because it was like, come on, get pick up the pace. I need to see something. It started like it was booked like a Haas fight, right? Like we were getting, you know, Jack and Keith Lee style. Like they were just kicking each other, beating the hell out of each other, chopping each other. Cool, I like that. But sooner or later, hit the second gear. And it took too long to hit the second gear. And I didn't get enough flippy shit because you get two athletic big women. I, don't, I need to see some flippy shit. Rhea don't flip. Cut it out. And Charlotte does she one She could thing. have. Rhea is going to blow. I mean, Charlotte's going to blow her knees out. We got to save her knees. I didn't mind this match. I like I liked this match up until the final four or five minutes. Because I, I like the it was hard hitting. I like that Rhea Ripley was beating the shit out of Charlotte in certain spots. I like that because, it, it, like I said last week, I felt like Rhea had lost her edge. And this match, she fought her ass off. My problem with the match is who won. And there's going to be a lot of debate about this. And there's a lot of people talking about, well, you know, at Elevation, it's a good thing. For no, fuck that. Why did, like, Charlotte must pose. You talk about Alexa must pose. Charlotte must pose. Because she's <laughs> got to be involved somehow. And this particular match, as hard-hitting as it was, I told you from the beginning, I hated that it was at WrestleMania. I hated it. Yeah. And after this, I still hate it. I hate it even more. Charlotte now. has to win that Mania. Right. She can so lose tomorrow, but she got to win that Mania. So going over on Rhea Ripley, which goes back to the earlier conversation, another woman from NXT who just beat Shayna Baszler, who was the second most dominant NXT women's champion of all time behind Asuka, you send her to fight uh, Charlotte Flair on their stage, and then she fucking loses. Not only does she lose, she taps out. And look, I know that, that like roll-up pins are one thing. Tapping out is, is something else entirely. Because certain wrestlers, I don't think Stone Cold ever tapped out. Ever. I Like, Rhea Ripley tapping out to Charlotte is crazy to me. Because why does Charlotte need this title? And why do they have to do this at WrestleMania? If they did this at NXT, I would still have been just as confused. But at least Charlotte came to Rhea's house to beat her in her turf for her title. Instead, Rhea brought Charlotte and gift-wrapped the title to her at WrestleMania and allowed Charlotte to have another moment one way or another. The, the other issue is, it makes me question this, and a lot of people gave me shit about this on Twitter. It makes me question, as I mentioned earlier, what does Vince think about NXT as a whole and the women of NXT when both of your top dogs of NXT women lose at WrestleMania and now you're sending another woman, Charlotte, clearly over to NXT to elevate the brand? They don't need it. The brand doesn't no. need it. Those girls can work on their own. Stop fucking with them. Like, like I know Rhea, this was her moment. Everybody got really excited. Rhea got a WrestleMania moment, blah, blah, blah. She kind of got hot-shotted into the spot because 
let's be honest, Rita didn't really catch fire until the end of last year because she was kind of toiling in NXT UK. And now you got a bunch of women because they just had this ladder match. Well, they're about to have this ladder match when they recorded or whatever. Are they going to beat Charlotte? Like, I don't understand, man. Like Somebody you, has to beat Charlotte. I don't think this is a Finn Balor situation where she's down there for a long time. But it feels like she's going to be down there for some time. And with this coronavirus, we really have no idea how long this is possibly going to last. But I think it just diminishes the value of NXT when both of your top NXT women lose outright at WrestleMania. I, yeah. I just It doesn't do drive eyes that? back to you in no. any way, I don't think. It just it looks like it looks like when WCW got bought and then they just came in and lost to everybody in WWE. They all got worked <laughs> over. And it feels yeah. it feels very similar to that. It's like all the the NXT women come up and they get bounced immediately. And somebody's like, well, maybe they'll get another opportunity. Look, man, everybody remembers WrestleMania. Nobody remembers Vengeance, Backlash, and all the other bullshit pay-per-views that happened. Whatever happens at WrestleMania is the long-lasting thought. And Rhea Ripley not getting her moment and, uh, and, and Shayna losing as well. I didn't need both of them to lose to horsewomen at that. That's, uh, uh, that was whack. That was whack. I, y'all ain't going to be able to convince me about this one. That was whack. One of them, <laughs> one of them should have won. And I, and Horse I said, women must win. That's that's the that's new the, thing. That's the new thing. Unnecessarily. Unnecessarily. Yeah, so we saw that match opening it up. It wasn't the worst match. It was a little long for me, but cool. They gave him time to work. Uh, next match up, Aleister Black versus Bobby Lashley. This could have been shorter. And it was only seven minutes. Like, I really just need Aleister Black, Bobby Lashley, walk in the ring, eat the black mass, fight over. But instead, they drug it out a little bit. Their styles don't mesh at all. It didn't look great. And then the cameraman missed the spot on the black mass anyway. And the replays caught better angles than the cameraman did. Who did post-production on this shit? Um, They missed so much. So much. They had 18 million camera angles. At one point during the ladder match on night one, they're switching camera angles every two seconds. You could have caught this. So I, I didn't get that aspect of it. Alistair Black had the entrance. He had his little spikes on his shoulders. And then he won. Like you said, just keeping him in the picture. Not much else to that match. Yeah. Um, fuck that match. Didn't need to exist. It should have been. Because you're not doing nothing with Bobby Lashley anyway. Black Mask, get him out of here. Let's move on. That's all this needed to be. Yep. And then uh, next match up, Otis versus Dolph Ziggler. Uh I don't know. I, I just I hope Otis didn't catch the Rona from his kiss with Mandy Rose. <laughs> um Oh god. Uh the match itself wasn't very good. Uh Dolph bumped his ass off. I will say that. He bumped his ass off for Otis. Um I'm a little baffled that Sonya Deville is sacrificing her relationship with Mandy Rose for for reason for this. I don't I don't understand. Then she comes out with Dolph. I didn't understand that. If you're still trying to salvage your relationship with Mandy, why would you be in on, in Dolph's corner when you yeah. know that whatever happened on, at SmackDown was going to piss Mandy off? So the logic there didn't make any sense. I don't know where Mandy was for the first half of this match because there's not a lot of people at the PC, and we got a chance to see the PC in the Orton uh, Edge match. So there's not too many places she could have been. But alas, you know, she I guess she just was sitting around, maybe with, with Heyman in the, the makeshift gorilla position. Maybe she should have sat in the crowd. I don't know, man. For a story that they invested a lot on, it didn't have a great payoff to me. Um, 
I mean, especially after what we what was revealed on SmackDown, the stakes were lowered a little bit because now we knew that you know there was Mandy wasn't going to turn on Otis. That's kind of what I was hoping for to happen on some douchebag shit, but we didn't get that. We kind of knew where this was going. Uh, Ziggler lost, Otis wins. I guess you go back to heavy machinery and you play out this thing with Mandy. I now I really don't know what the end game is. I don't know. Like Otis, I don't. I feel like in someone in our. Uh, Watch party mentioned this that we're just headed for a mixed tag match. So Dolph and Sonya versus Otis and Mandy, and then Tucker is just waiting in the wings still. Yeah, okay. Because he's definitely the Genetti. Yeah. So, yeah, Tucker will be off camera for a while, and then um, we mentioned it: Edge versus Randy Orton. Thirty-six minutes, thirty-five seconds. I haven't fact-checked this, but someone said that this, I think Marcus Vandenberg said, is the second longest match in WrestleMania history. I'm assuming to the Bret Hart-Shawn Michaels match. It was an hour and some change. So this would be the second longest match in WrestleMania history. 36 minutes, 35 seconds. Edge, at the end, finally went over on Randy Orton. Everything in between is a blur because it felt like I was watching the same thing happen on loop, on loop, on loop, just in different areas of the PC. I much rather would have just taken a tour through the PC than watch this match drag on for 36 minutes and 35 seconds. It felt like an eternity. This match sucked. This was, (laughs) yo, for the best built feud at WrestleMania, for this match to be the second longest WrestleMania history in post-production, which meant that a bunch of people watched this shit, edited it, and said, you know what? We're going to put this out. First things first, for a street fight, this match would have benefited with the production value of Undertaker AJ Styles and not been at the PC and actually been in some random ass street, like a street fight. Yeah, just put it like, in someone's yard, like someone's cul-de-sac. For a street fight, the lack of weapons, with the exception of the Benoit spot, which is completely unbelievable and tone deaf. I couldn't believe it when I saw it. And then our one of our guys, Justin Ivey, was like, I can't believe they're doing this shit. The weight machine, like, listen, the Benoit thing is has been brought back to life in the last two weeks. If this happened in the spur of the moment live match, I wouldn't have a problem. I wouldn't have as much of a problem with it because the wrestlers are just working. They see some shit. They do some shit. But when you're watching this in replay and whoever booked this shit, somebody in production, somebody's eyes need to say, guys, they just aired the Benoit documentary. Maybe we shouldn't do the spot where we're trying to hang him with a weight machine. No. They continue to let this shit go. Because they could have shaved that 10 minutes in the weight room completely out. Because it did nothing for the match. I've said before, I'm not a big fan of last man standing matches. Because what ends up happening is at a certain point, every time you go down, the referee starts counting. And there was a point in this match that every time... There was was a point in this match where Randy Orton raked Edge's eyes with his bootlaces. And the referee started counting. Really? (laughs) Come on, man. Like... I hate this had had to happen to Edge because Edge he had to come back the excellent twenty four which was a great piece of work on the network. You had him come back in a great rivalry that was built up properly for this. This is what you give me thirty eight minutes of sheer boredom. Like there's a spot where Edge hangs off of the fence in the in the conference room. Why is there a fence on the ceiling? And it's an elbow drop. 
Then he hits him with one concerto to finish the match. This is a street fight. This match could use some color. <laughs> Somebody could have bled in this match. This match sucked. During and the Rona? Dog, I don't care. If it's because po- Undertaker bled in his match, he cut his arm when he went at AJ Styles and hit the window and he he cut his elbow. Oh yeah, that's true. If you did this with the same type of production in a street or in a back in a yard area or something in a junkyard, I don't get like the junkyard that they used in Nightmare on Elm Street Four when Freddy came back, just surrounded by cars and just beating the shit out of each other with weapons. I would have been here for that, but you gave me this half-assed wrestling match with two guys that. We all know Orton can be a bore, and he gave his worst version of Orton in this match. And then yeah. it's, there's no crowd, so it had no energy. This match sucked. This match, <laughs> I, can't, I can't. Some people loved it, Dre. Some people thought it was great. Yeah, but this match sucked. Like, this match was boring as hell, and it just didn't, it refused to end. Like, as much as I wanted to end, it was like, no, no, no. And it kept fucking going. And then it ended, and I felt nothing. I felt like I was cheated because this is the match I was really looking forward to. And that's what made it hurt even more that, that it sucked so bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, they really hurt your feelings on that one, Dre. Uh, so we had that match, which felt like forever. And then we rolled into the Street Profits versus Garza and Austin Theory. It was a six-minute match. It, it felt even shorter. It was like a blink. I guess it was cool. They caught Montez Ford. Um, we had a couple of decent spots. Garza looked good. Don't still don't know what this did for um, Austin Theory in this one. He was a warm but body. Whatever. <laughs> so he took the pin, and then something that pissed you off is that the heels came and came back. Garza and Theory, um, and. Someone else was there. Who was the other one? Oh, Zelina Vega came and attacked the Street Profits after. And then the music hit, and Bianca Belair comes out to defend her man. man. Bianca gets a WrestleMania moment. Twitter seemed to like this. You went completely opposite when we saw it. Yeah, so my problem is, one, I wish this would have been in front of a crowd. because That would have made a difference. Yeah, I love Bianca Belair. I think she's excellent. She's a tremendous athlete who deserves all the accolades. But I hate, hate, hate when they start taking real-life relationships and putting them on my damn television because they never work. Because eventually, you got to break them up somehow, whether it's by a feud or you just separate them. But they never can just go on forever. Like even Macho Man Elizabeth, which was the greatest valet thing, but Bianca's not a valet. She's a wrestler. Does this mean she's getting called up to the quote-unquote main roster? I hope not. God, I hope not. I don't need, I don't need her there. Like, some people are like, well, you know, she's never going to get an NXT title win. I don't give a shit. NXT is a show. It's not a minor league anymore. It's a show. And you keep that talent on that show. Maybe when you do a superstar shakeup or a, a draft or a trade or something like that, that makes sense. But to call all these women up, because, God damn it, is Bianca going to be another one of the losers of the horse women? I sure the hell hope not. Do they know what to do with her? I don't know. But... In a vacuum, I like to see Montez seeing his wife and getting the save. I thought it would have been greater in front of a big crowd to get that moment because Bianca deserves that because she's so good. And Montez Ford is amazing in the ring. But the future is what concerns me about this. Seeing it on screen, great. I got immediately concerned with what are they going to do with these two now? And where does that leave the other Janetti? Your boy. (sighs) 
I don't know. He's in a better spot than Tucker, <laughs> but not much. I mean, listen, we're supposed to be trying to get in shape together, and I feel like Dawkins is letting me down. I don't have to wear a singlet every day. <laughs> so I feel like it, it, it's necessary so we don't leave him behind to uh, you know, kind of just get into a little bit better shape because the hot tag just ain't hitting right. When the guy's out of shape, the headbands always come off. That's really his only gimmick. He's just, he's not Montez Ford. As soon as they win, they look at Ford uh, immediately. So it's just like, man, I, yeah, there's something missing. It concerns me because, again, like once you put Bianca with Ford, and if you do that on screen, it's clear that those are the two stars, and that leaves Dawkins behind, which means that it means for an eventual tag team breakup. That's not what I want to see. Same with Otis and Tucker. I don't want to see him break up. I don't want to see Mandy become a problem and they break up because of that. That We need tag teams. And as much as Dawkins is the quote-unquote Janetti to Ford Shawn Michaels, for the time being, keep them together. And, and Bianca's not a valet. I don't want to see her come out every match. I just don't. I, I saw somebody post something like, give me the Usos and Naomi against the Street Profits and Bianca. I'm not mad at that idea, but not long term. Because those women have their own careers. I just don't want to see them. Because they've done a good job of keeping Naomi not explicably tied to Jimmy Uso. They've kind of pushed her away. Except in certain moments. I hope they do that with this. But I, 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 I don't know. I think this, they look at Ford and they see so much in Montez Ford. And they're like, mm, maybe a solo run and having playing Bianca. We saw this shit happen with Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch. And that shit was not fun. No, that's very true. It's just, if she's not a valet, then, then what? Because coming in and feuding with a valet does nothing. Don't know. Don't know. It's uh, yeah, I don't know. That's that's a good question. I, they at least were on Mania, so we'll we'll see. Hopefully, Belair she's in that ladder match, so hopefully she wins it and beat Charlotte to keep the title down on NXT, so she doesn't get moved up. I mean, that's, that's the best case only, scenario. That's the only thing I hope for, and I just wish that was at Takeover. I wish Charlotte won a Takeover and had to wrestle Bianca on NXT. Like, <sighs> anyway, I'm not going back to that shit again. Fit up, yeah. I just fed, fed up with it. Um, and then we have women's fatal five-way match, which was 20 minutes, which is crazy. And you had me worrying the entire time because you were dead set that Lacey Evans was going to win this shit. Mm-hmm. Sure was. And as soon as Sasha Banks caught the women's right and was eliminated, I was like, oh, fuck. They already teased the dissension between her and Bailey. And then I was like, man, it's going to go bad, and Bailey's going to lose, and Lacey Evans is going to win and stand tall with this title. And we're just going to get full MAGA. Lacey Evans is champ. Uh, I swear her gimmick's just a MAGA gimmick at this point. And then, no, Bailey wins because Sasha helps her wins. And now it's like, okay, Lacey Evans could take the step back, as she should, and maybe we get more into the Sasha-Bailey turn that is bound to happen. It always happens. I don't want Sasha to be a face, though. So Sasha just got to be a bigger heel than Bailey, and somehow Bailey just got to ditch the the mom do and go back to the ponytail. Yes, the, this match we all knew Tamina wasn't winning. Um, these women worked their asses off. 
Uh, Naomi got eliminated second, and then we were down to those three, which we kind of knew was going to happen. Yes, like I never wanted Lacey to win, but I felt like it was going to happen to create that dissension. But now I feel like you've created a different kind of dissension because now you don't know when Sasha's going to turn on Bailey for that belt. Or I like I, that. I like that mystery. <laughs> which which is fine, but it's like it's what I said before. We need to establish some other women because you keep going back to the well because the Sasha Bailey well, thing. They're trying to establish Lacey Evans. Yeah, Dre. but she's, dog, she's whack. That, again, <laughs> well, now, now you're asking for a lot. <laughs> well, well, here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. About the NXT women because now you're forcing me to go back to it. I'm talking about the women who are dominant in NXT get shit on on the main roster. The women who suck in NXT for some reason show up and get runs. Lacey Evans, Alexa Bliss. Like the women who don't do shit. Carmella. They all show up on the main roster and become, like, champions and stars. I don't get this. I don't get it. Establish the women who were dominant in NXT because they can work. There was a reason why they were dominant in NXT because they worked. They worked well. For Sasha and Bayley, that well is going to dry up very fast unless you get another woman involved. Not Lacey Evans. This could be the perfect Oscar spot to feud with them. Or Kyrie Sane. Or... Ember Moon, if she comes back, or Anaya Jax, get somebody else involved. Let's not pull the trigger on this Sasha Bailey thing until it's white hot and necessary. And I think the only time it's white hot and necessary is at WrestleMania or maybe SummerSlam. But not, I don't even know about this SummerSlam because this SummerSlam is going to feel very contrived because of the coronavirus and they're not going to have a proper build. Like, I want, when they feud, I want a blood feud out of those two. Because they, they work their asses off in NXT. But it just feels like a cheap way out right now. Yeah. I don't know. They're trying to put another woman into the feud. But we know the end game. So, what are they doing? It's just, a, you want to put Asuka or Kari Sane into this? Knowing that they're going to lose because we're only going to get Bailey versus Sasha? Well, you know, you know what? Bailey and Sasha is good without the title. Those two women can have a great feud without the title involved. You can put the title on somebody else and establish another woman in that division. You can put the title on Naomi and let those two beef. And people are still going to watch it. Everything doesn't need to have a title involved. That's true. That is very true. But I don't know. This one feels like now it needs the title involved. I don't know what it needs. But like I said, whatever. I don't know. Wasn't a bad match, so the girls worked. I'll give them that. I just, I'm. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't bad. Naomi didn't get enough enough time in there. But well, that's like they, a common theme. She never gets enough. Yeah, Tamina was out quick. Rightfully so. Yeah, she's not good. <laughs> Very fast. Um, then we have Firefly Funhouse match. Oh boy. And this was. <sighs> Unique. I'm trying to find the words. It was, it was unique. It was very different than what we saw from Taker the night before. Yes. And you you look at it, and it starts off, and as soon as we we see John Cena coming to the ring, and we're like, "Yo, is this going to be in the arena?" And for a second, you're like, "What is going on?" And then, boom, it switches, and it takes us through like the craziest acid trip wrestling stand just journey possible where you get an nwo mention you get bray wyatt just uh being eric bischoff for a period of time we get um old school cena 
super old school Cena. What, what was he? The prototype. The prototype. Yep. With with the SmackDown fist that they got out the warehouse, so many things tied into this match. It it had maybe three wrestling moves. I, can I call it a match? No, you can't. I don't, I don't know what it is, but it was great, and the best part of the weekend, I think. I love this. There's people that hated this match because they were looking for a match. Here's my first thing to you: Have we not said that Bray Wyatt's not a great in ring talent? Like, he's a great character. He's a character wrestler. He's not a great wrestler. He's an okay wrestler. He's serviceable. This is exactly what Bray Wyatt is built for. And we haven't seen... Like, John Cena is John Cena. Come on, guys. Look, if they weren't going to do it for the title and not have a wrestling match, this is exactly what I needed. Because John Cena is an actor. Now, that's what he is. He's an actor. So to put this Firefly Funhouse thing with the callbacks, with the goofiness, with the creepiness, with... It's not a match, guys. We had enough matches. There were... 18 matches on this goddamn card. You can live with this being <laughs> what it was. And what it was was a, a trippy acid trip through the, the history of John Cena, where in some ways it makes you wonder if the, if the, if John Cena ever decided to do this, this could have planted the seeds for a John Cena heel turn, the way this played out. Fucking with his mind. Yeah. Like, if they wanted to go that route, they could establish that because the NWO Cena, that's crazy. They planted so much into this spectacle or this 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 production. It was funny. I mean, having the Vince McMahon puppet saying this is some good shit. That I was out of here. I was to the moon when he said that. Because because <laughs> I, I like dog. I know that was a Pritchard. I know Bruce Pritchard had to have something to do with that part right there because he says it all the time on the podcast. This is good shit, and it, it was like this. The puppets, the the uh, the thugonomics where he rapped and none and like. Wyatt no-sold all the bars. He no-sold what used to get Cena over. Everything that got Cena over, ruthless aggression, didn't go over. He made John Cena look like an absolute failure. This wasn't a match. This was an acid trip. And it was an enjoyable one at that. It's character development for The Fiend. These are the things that The Fiend should be doing. Not wrestling. Occasionally wrestling. But this shit? I'm here for this. Because if we would have got a match between The Fiend and Cena, it wouldn't have been good. Just like the uh, match between Styles and uh, Undertaker wouldn't have been good. This is better. This is better. And, yeah, The Fiend will come back and wrestle at some point, whatever. But for this type of – with somebody as much history as John Cena has and the the callbacks to the uh, the first Wyatt match at WrestleMania, like, come on, man. This was fan service. If you didn't like it because you wanted a match, I'm sorry because – I didn't want a match. I wanted this. I wanted pure <laughs> fucking fuckery. And I got it. And I enjoyed it. And I'm going to watch it again. Because I yeah, thought who it was... wanted an actual match? There's a lot of people who wanted an actual match. So they wanted either Cena to go over on The Fiend, but The Fiend go over on Cena. The, the Fiend isn't built for that. He's a character wrestler. In the same way that Broken Matt Hardy was a character wrestler. You didn't watch Matt Hardy. Because as soon as they brought him back to the WWE, they tried to make him a wrestler. And that's where they failed. Because Matt Hardy no longer was the Hardy Boys jumping off a bunch of shit all the time. He was a character. The character got him over. With The Fiend, it was never about the wrestling. It was about the character. And this character is what it is. And if you didn't like it, I don't know what you wanted. Because there's very few Bray Wyatt matches I've ever watched. I was like, yo, that was a good match. But this shit, the Firefly Funhouse, got me. So I, I loved it. This was my favorite part of the weekend. 
<laughs> Hands down, man. It was just... Uh, it was everything it should be without trying to masquerade as an actual wrestling match. Exactly. And that's cool. Because we, we've seen enough of Bray wrestling. For more. now, at least. Yeah, there, there'll be more. But for now, I, I think we're good. So take a break and gave us just what we needed um and then let's see the final match well no no before, before we talk about the final match rob gronkowski beats it becomes a 24 <laughs> champion yeah there's nothing wrong with that right that's what the belt is for dog there's nothing wrong with it but rob gronkowski is going to be insufferable because the problem with him being 24 7 champ yes look i get it Truth was a goofy character wrestler. But Truth can actually wrestle in the ring. If you put Truth in the ring, he knows how to take a bump, and he can go when necessary. What are we doing with Rob Gronkowski? I don't think he's worked out like that. I don't... I don't... Like, is he going to actually do stuff with the title, or is he just going to run around and be goofy with it? It brings He's just going to run around and be goofy. Like, it brings prestige to the title, I guess, in a television kind of way, because now sports fans are like, oh, Rob Gronkowski shows up and wins. But it's like... I don't know. There's been a lot of failed experience. For every Ronda Rousey, there's like a Lawrence Taylor, and there's a goddamn uh, Cain Velasquez we never saw again. And now we have Gronk. I need Gronk. I want like to see Gronk show me something. Uh, the 24/7 title has always been a joke. It was never to be taken seriously. So we'll see. Maybe they can work this and make it fun. But Robert Gronkowski is really not fun to watch on television. No, no, he's cringeworthy. He's yeah. especially scripted Gronkowski. He's not good. He's not good. No, much. like you just, you just gotta let him be him, and I don't think they're letting him do that. Oh, and the other winner this weekend before we get into the main event was Titus O'Neil's face after the Firefly Funhouse match. Oh, incredible! I'm using that face all year. <laughs> <laughs> Someone in our chat was like, "Why is Titus up here?" I don't care. This is the best thing he's done since he mistakenly slid under the ring, yes. entering the the battle royal. Yes, 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 yes. He's he earned. Wins. Yeah, he's earned his entire year's paycheck with just that face. Yep. I was just so happy because that's all of our faces <laughs> after it went. Because there was no ref, no pin, no submission. Cena was laid out. Somehow his po- his body disappears. And it's just a fiend. And then gone. Titus O'Neil. Yep. Cool with that. That's all I needed. Perfect ending. And then uh, main event. All four minutes and 30 seconds. Twice as long as the Goldberg match. Drew McIntyre versus Brock Lesnar. And Brock doesn't get paid by the hour. So he was in and out. Brock ain't risking the Rona. Vince don't got enough money for Brock to risk the Rona. Brock was like, yo, I'm coming in here. You're getting five minutes. Use this shit how you want. And this is like, spam finishers. So Drew McIntyre, because listen, no one's done this. Drew Mack is eating three, what, two German suplexes, three F5s, gets up and hit Lesnar with like five Claymore kicks, and that's the match. New champ. Uh, In which, if this was live at Mania, the crowd might have went wild for that shit. The crowd might have went wild for that shit if they didn't just see it with Strowman and Goldberg. It was the same exact match. Your two biggest titles in the company were defended in the same exact way in under 10 minutes total. 
that is incomprehensible for for a company like <laughs> it's a greech you're breaking out all the Stephen A Smith words man because these are your two biggest titles the is it's the WWE titles the biggest the most prestigious and then the universal title and both of them on an 18 match what was it 7 hours total even with, yep. maybe even with the pre show didn't even do a 20th of the time they got 10 min, under 10 minutes total defending those titles that's un that's inexplicable how it's like how am i supposed to ever take your title seriously if you don't that's that's what gets me listen i said they painted themselves in the corner with the goldberg match and they had to get out of there quick because goldberg can't do nothing before he blows up and dies problem is drew mcintyre and brock lesnar and a dialed in brock lesnar can go and they didn't they gave us nothing they gave us WWE 2K, let's put the finishers on fire for each of you guys and just keep hitting the finisher button until something happens. <laughs> and that, just and spam and the finishers. My, my other issue with this is there were some people like, well, it's better than Goldberg and, and Braun. Yes, yeah, sir, sure, whatever. I don't give a fuck. They both sucked. But the F5 is a finisher that used to just put people away. You just didn't kick out of the F5. Drew McIntyre kicked out of the F5 at one. You're killing the finisher. One, like <laughs> at one, at one. I mean, Drew McIntyre got speared once by Roman Reigns last year and lost. Now I know his years change and wrestlers change, blah blah blah. But kicking out of the F five at one? Are you serious? The Brock Lesnar's been murdering fools for a decade like this. One, like I don't get it. And the thing is, I look, Drew McIntyre winning, fine, whatever, because Brock Lesnar will come back, win the title whenever the fuck he feels like it. But at some point, it's like I want to be able to take these titles seriously, and these like these matches that aren't even fun sprints, but just spamming finishers. It's the same thing as Rock and Cena too. Uh, they call it a night's you know the, twice in a lifetime. That match was nothing yep. but spamming finishers, and it sucked. The first match was a wrestling match, but the second one sucked. This is this sucked. This was bad. And I, maybe <laughs> maybe this is Lesnar's fault. Maybe Lesnar and Heyman was like, "We're not risking this shit. Get us out of here." Maybe that's yeah, it. Yeah, he's not putting on a fucking mat, a classic match for an empty building. But maybe this is we kind of kidded ourselves to think he in the would. middle of a pandemic. As this soon as it was saying, in like, front of a live crowd, like, go back to what I was saying about he that earlier. He week. didn't do it last year for for Seth. Him and Seth was like five minutes. Yeah, I mean, him and Seth was five minutes, but it, it was a curtain jerker. It opened the show. It, that's my problem. Is like, well, you, Drew McIntyre is somebody that you look at standing next to Brock Lesnar. It's not a guy that you have to sneak up on. Like, like the way Rollins had to win, he's, he kind of had to sneak up on Lesnar because Lesnar looks like a guy that nobody can beat, right? He yeah. looks like he has a hard time. Drew McIntyre doesn't need to sneak up on shit. He's no. taller than Lesnar, almost just as big, so these two could have a true hoss fight. These two could have delivered in New Japan or AEW or Ring of Honor or Impact. Anywhere else this match happens, it's a fucking phenomenal match. This is I wonder... I wonder how Brock decides what matches to actually try in. I don't know. Right? But the problem Because he, he's gone 20 minutes. Like, we saw him DB, him um, in that triple threat with Cena and Rollins years ago. So he'll go long with Rollins if, if need be. Um, you know, and then we saw him and Finn Balor go long, him and AJ go long. Like, I understand those guys are different. Those guys are smaller guys. Those guys maybe. Are, are well traveled and have been to New Japan, who've done all these things, but so so is Drew now, 
Right. Like I, I don't know. Like okay, so you, like the, the names you mentioned, um, AJ, Daniel Bryan, none of them were at Sur- WrestleMania. No, this all is, at Survivor Series, Royal Rumbles. Like, <laughs> this is the biggest show of the year. You can't give us like. It also tells you how they've devalued WrestleMania as a whole because of the fucking Saudi bag. Like, the main event of WrestleMania that used to be for the title, which used to be the most epic match on the card. Like, that's what you, everybody looked forward to. Yes, there were other matches. Like, Austin and Bret wasn't for a title. and But as, as years gone on, the title matches have become, like, almost secondary. And mm-hmm. to have two titles, one of them being the squash match, I don't think you can make both title squash matches. One of them should Because you put them both on part-timers. Right, Exactly. Not one is carried by a full-time wrestler. It, dog, this is this this is why it's infuriating to me because it's just like, man, as a pro wrestling fan, you look forward. Like, imagine the you go to a a, a big fight, right? And yep. the, whoever is a champion, the undisputed champion is just squashing fools, and all the great cards are like on the undercard. It's like, well, just get the champion a better fucking matchup. <laughs> it's like, old school Tyson fights. Right, they're booking it like old school Tyson fights. But like, but even in a Tyson fight, like. It wasn't scripted. Tyson was just knocking people's blocks off. You no, had, yeah, but you you had to get your money's worth on that undercard. Right. So it's like to get the opportunity for Drew and and go. I mean, uh, and Lesnar to main event the second night of WrestleMania, and then just give us this shit. I just yeah. I, and if Brock is able to call his shots like this, more power to Brock if this was his doing. But if it wasn't, poor, shame on them. And it, and even still, if you're Vince McMahon, it's like, come on, Brock, give me one. But this is what one, you know, something, Brock. Yeah, Put my guy something. over, Brock. Something. But, but this is this is why you don't do shit during the pandemic. Because maybe Brock was like, I ain't doing that shit. Even though you five minutes, 20 minutes, you're going to get it, you're going to get it. But, dog, bottom line is, this should have been much longer. Drew McIntyre deserved a better match, and he deserved a crowning moment in front of fans. I'm happy he won the title. He's had a long road to get there. This match was stupid as fuck. Yes, it was crazy. It could have been done better. The result remains, and now the titles, both main titles, are on full-time workers. Let's see what happens. Yeah, let's see. At least that's a, a a shining star at the end of it is the titles are around. One guy I like with it, the other guy is a placeholder. Yep. But let's see how they build feuds around these now. Now they're not on part-timers, so... We'll, we'll see what happens. Um, that's our show for this week. Went an hour and 30 minutes recapping both Mania Days. Um, actually, we'll be back later in the week. What the hell am I talking about? Be back later in the week. Still other stuff to talk about. Maybe we'll fill a show with more hip-hop and craziness. Or just you know maybe we'll we do one about. on TV shows no, and no, movies. No, 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 no. You, you know what we got to talk about. Because this UFC 249 shit is about to get finalized. You know we got to talk oh, about yep. this shit. Oh, yeah. So we got UFC. We got some boxing stuff. Floyd Mayweather's daughter may have or may have not stabbed someone. Um, shit, we got to talk about the New Jack documentary still. Yes, yes, we do. Plenty of stuff to talk about later in the week. So make sure you guys stay tuned later in the week. Shout out to the sponsor. Shout out to Blue Wire, the network. Follow us on social media at Corner Podcast underscore. Me at Kel Dansby. Him at, on, at Andreas Hale. That is our show for this week. I'm going to go drink a White Claw because it's about time. It's happy hour somewhere. Till next time, we're out. Peace. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. 
They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com